All right, let's go ahead and jump into our message. We're in week four of our Wait For It series, which I know has been painful for some. I know it's been kind of painful for me. It's never easy to wait on the Lord. It's never easy to have patience and wait for what God wants to bring forth in our lives. But it is so important. It's so valuable. It really can change us from the inside out. And we've really kind of been talking about that. Today, we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, but also kind of in that same vein. But uh, what I want to talk about to kind of start us off is, is the fact that, that none of us None of us that I've ever experienced likes delays. None of us have really enjoyed that. And I know that like recently, I, I haven't flown for years now. I don't know. I just haven't. You know, sometimes you need to, you don't, you, you know, whatever. I haven't, but I've been like, I'll flip on the news or maybe a, a, a news feed or something. Something crazy like people were waiting for like 24 hours to fly out. I mean, no one likes that. I do know this. I do this all the time. I know think of you, some of you do this as well. I get into my car and I need to go someplace. And maybe I know how to get there. Maybe I don't. But I put the, the, the stuff in the GPS of the car or on my phone or whatever. And then they always give you like those maybe three different options. And you begin to look at which one's quickest. And you also begin to look and see which one has the dreaded like red line on it. You know what I'm talking about? You know, like I know you do that. You know, it's, or you're like, why does it take 30 minutes to get from here to the grocery store? And then you look, and there's the red line of death, you know, where you know it's going to be there all the time. There's certain places in Denver where I think it just, it's, it is red. You know, it never changes. It doesn't matter when it is. It could be three in the morning. It will be red just because of how the traffic flows and things like that. But here's the thing. None of us like that. None of us like delays. In fact, we'll do everything that we can to avoid those things. And I think in our culture and in our lives and in our society and all these sort of things, we've kind of conditioned ourselves to expect that everything that we want, everything that we hope for, everything that we've prayed for, everything that has been promised to us, that we should get it and get it fast. Get it now. We don't like those delays. And in fact, we have been so conditioned in these ways that unfortunately for a lot of us, and this is me too, I do this too, when things don't come at the speed that I think they should or the way that I think they should, I tend to have some common responses to those delays. And here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to give you a clue right here. I'm going I'm to let you know a little secret. Okay? And again, I do this too. But there are three common responses to the delay. And every single one of these is wrong. Okay? So I'm telling you too. I'm wrong on these. You're wrong on these. We're all wrong on these. Okay? But we typically, when the delay hits, we start to think these things. The first one that is very common is that God is uninterested and his focus is on something or someone else. God, you made this promise. God, God you're supposed to bring this along. God, God, why is there a delay? God, you must have forgotten about me. God, you must be busy with other things. How many of you ever kind of had this thought before? Well, you know, there are starving children in Africa that probably need God more than me right now. We tend to do that. Maybe that's extreme, but we tend to think that, God, you must be busy someplace else. It's interesting that in the story with Elisha and, and Elijah and, and, Mark, and Mount Carmel, with the prophets of Baal, you remember that story? Isn't that a great story? And so basically, real quick, basically they're going to have this contest. Who's God? Who's not? Is it Baal or is it God? And so basically they build an altar and they say, okay, the God that can send fire down from heaven and consume the sacrifice, that's got to be God. So Elijah says, okay, you guys go first. So they're dancing and they're cutting themselves, they're doing all these things. And you know how Elijah basically taunts them? He basically says, your God must be too busy. He must be focused on other things. Isn't it interesting that Elijah went to that place? Because we go to that place a lot of times with our gods. Or the God. You must be too busy. You must be focused on other things. But yet God tells us in his word that he's close to us. That he's close, when we, you know, close to the brokenhearted. But yet we tend to think that. The second thing we begin to think is we begin to think, I forfeited God's favor. I forfeited. Obviously, I have done something wrong that has kept me from experiencing the favor of God. I have heard this so many times in so many different ways throughout my ministry. I must have done something. God doesn't love me anymore. 
all these types of things begin to bubble up or come up. Listen, I'm going to help you out with something that you need to hold on to from now until you literally go see Jesus to help you with this, all right? Okay? Are you ready? When it comes to God's favor, and this is going to sound harsher than I mean it, but I need you to get this, okay? You don't need to worry about forfeiting God's favor because you never had it in the first place. Oh, that's kind of mean. No, it's not. It's truth. What is grace? It's unmerited favor. You never had God's favor before. You didn't earn it. You can't get it. You can't live a certain way. And then all of a sudden God says, all right, A plus, it's all yours. We have God's love and his grace and his mercy, not because of us, but because of him. So if it's not about you and it's not about what you have done, there's nothing you can do to lose that. Now we can walk away from certain things, but God's grace is always extended to us. It's always there. And listen, I want that type of favor and the favor that changes me and, and makes me new and takes care of all those things. So listen, as a follower of Jesus, walking in his love as his child, you can't lose what you never had. The favor came not because of how you acted, but because you accepted his grace and his love. But we tend to think that. God, what I do wrong? God, how can I fix it? God must be mad at me. All these concepts kind of come to that. And we have to understand that it's by grace that we are saved, right? And it's such a simple thing, but so many of us can forget it. Number three, if anything is going to happen, I have to make it happen myself. We tend to begin to push. We tend to begin to, I'll do this. I'll make it happen. I'll handle this. I'll do those things. The problem is, is when you start doing it, lots of problems can come. We see it over and over and over again. In fact, we talked about it in the first week of this series when Abraham said, you know what? If I'm going to see God's promise, I have to make it happen myself. And we are literally still <laughs> dealing with that mistake. You don't have to make God's promises when, come, when a delay comes. You need to stop and wait on him. And let him bring forth what he promised, what he wants to do, and how he wants to do it. Listen, we've talked about this throughout kind of this whole series. But again, I want to hit this again. Even though delays are difficult and often they're painful, they have the potential to produce something valuable in our lives. They can make a major impact if we will let them. The words that were used as potential are, are important here. Because you know what? These delays, they don't also have to have a potential to bring something valuable. In fact, they also have the potential to bring something very, very problematic. It depends on how we see it, how we understand it, and how we see what God is trying to do when God has great things and, and things that he wants to do in us and through us. You ever have a, I remember when I was a kid, and um, you remember toys that maybe you had when you were a child? And I remember certain toys and things like that, and, and some of these toys were like really, really important to me, and some weren't, okay, you know, what that, you know what I mean? But I remember them for some strange reason. I remember, you know, I'm not going to tell you when, but uh, I remember when I was a child, and someone gave me, maybe for my birthday, because this was not normally a toy that I would be overly interested in. Um, but I was given a, 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 a rocket ship, you know, and not like, you know, like we typically see, like, like one of the old, like, Apollo-type rockets, you know, it had the, the boosters, and then had a the little top, it had a little, why do I remember this? Um, I need to get this out and get something better in, but anyway, it had a little man that you could put in the capsule, and then you could, and then you break off one section, break off the other, you know, and then you had the little capsule, and you had the, and I used to play with it all the time. And as a child, you know, very young, I thought that's what, you know, a spaceship was. I thought that's what it looked like. And I remember, like, when I was in first or second grade, I don't remember, like, seeing in the classroom something that I thought was absolutely crazy looking. It was the space shuttle. 
had the boosters on it and all this sort of stuff. And I remember seeing that going, well, that looks dumb. That'll never work. And having my teacher, you know, kind of pat my head and go, wow, I got a real dumb one here. And saying, listen, that's the space shuttle. That's what they use. I said, no, it looks like this. I said, well, that's what they used to use. But here's the deal. When they created the space shuttle, they did that for many, many reasons, they had a little bit of a problem. You know, NASA is brilliant, so they came up with this idea. But they had a problem where, where they stored the shuttle. They had to figure out a way to get the shuttle with all the rocket boosters and all the things that it was necessary to get that shuttle into space. They had to figure out a way to get the shuttle from where it was stored to the launch pad. And so they put their minds together. They began to think about it, try to figure it out. And they came up with something that they called the crawler transporter. Okay? Now, I brought some pictures. So this is the crawler transporter. I have three pictures. I'll show you. This is the first one. I'll show you in a second. Hold on there, Jen. But I want you to notice something. That is a fire truck of some size that is next to it. Okay? You can see the people on that thing. That thing weighs 4.4 million pounds, okay? The top speed of the crawler transport, they named this well, okay? The top speed is two miles per hour. Top speed, that's with nothing on it. You put the rocket, go ahead and go to the next picture, Jen. You go, you put the rocket on it. There's the same picture, just blown up. You put the shuttle on it, its top speed is one mile per hour. That's it. That's, that's, that's foot on the floor as quick as you can get it to go. And so they built this at the time, I don't know if it still is, but at the time when they built it in the early 80s, it was the largest man-made thing ever. Not, not like pyramids and things like that, but like, like you know, get it? Huge thing. Okay, you can kind of get an idea of how big it is. Okay, Jen, last picture. Yeah, there's people. I don't know how tall they are. Regardless, this is a massive, huge apparatus. And they will load the shuttle on this thing and begin to slowly take it to the launch pad. Once they get it on the launch pad and they move that out of the way, Basically, I don't know how long it would take them to do that. I don't know the distance from the hangar, basically, to the launch pad. But it takes some time. But finally, once they get it set up, the shuttle has to travel 18,000 miles per hour for eight and a half minutes to leave Earth's atmosphere. And once it does and has jettisoned all those things, the shuttle itself can travel at 23.6 times the speed of sound. I want you to think about that. That this shuttle can go that fast. That those boosters can produce that much thrust to get it through the atmosphere. But here's what we have to remember. One trip ultimately leads to the other. And for some of you, the delay is not fun. You want to go fast. You want to be that shuttle. You want to, God's spoken to you or spoken a promise or, or something's happened in your life or whatever it might be. And man, you are ready to go that 18,000 miles per hour. But before you can get to the launch pad, you have to travel at one mile per hour. But without the crawler transporter, listen, the shuttle stays in the hangar. And for some of us, we have not taken off. We have not accomplished the things that God wants us to accomplish because we have turned our noses up to the one mile per hour transport that we must have. We've said, no, I want it now. Listen, we are enamored in our world, in our hearts, in our life with speed. God is enamored with process. You see, there's a process before that shuttle can take off. There's a process that has to happen. Things have to be filled. Things have to be put in place. That crawler has to be brought out. The shuttle has to be launched on it. It has to move at the speed. There's process. There's process. There's process. You look at almost every character in God's word, and you know what you see? Process. 
David, process. Moses, process. Noah, process. Peter, process. Paul, process. Sometimes we forget how long Paul waited before he actually started on his missionary journeys. It was years. In Scripture, it seems like it was just one verse to the next, one chapter to the next. But there was a process that God came. Listen, you can be so enamored with speed that you forget that God wants to take you on a process. For some of you, you don't understand this right now, but you need to. You are simply on the crawler. You are moving towards your destiny. You are moving towards your promise. You're moving towards what God wants you to get to. And you are at some point very, very soon going to be traveling at 18,000 miles per hour. But right now you're going one and it seems like it's taken forever. But there's a process that God wants to bring in your heart and in your life. I mentioned some of the guys that went through those processes. This morning, we're going to look at one that we've talked about before, but it's just so important that we get this. We're going to tell a story, really, of what I like to call delayed destiny. And that's where some of us are right now. We're in a delayed destiny. We have this, this promise or this destiny that God has shown us, maybe about finding a spouse or maybe about finding a particular job or, or our family or a prom, whatever it might be. But we're in that moment right now where that crawler is just crawling along. And there's an amazing story about a man who went through that almost like no other in Scripture. His name was Joseph. Joseph was an interesting character. Joseph, you really see his growth. Um, a lot of times in Scripture, you see kind of process, but you see it from kind of afar. The great thing about Joseph is you really kind of, are, God kind of really takes us and plops us down in his process through his life, through his destiny. And so we're going to kind of go through that. We'll look at certain scriptures. We'll skip others. But basically, Joseph was one of many brothers of his father, Jacob. He was his father's favorite. In fact, as we know, you know, a lot of us know, basically, Joseph is given a very special coat to kind of signify that. Well, Joseph starts having dreams. And in these dreams, God begins to place in his heart this destiny and this plan, this thing that he has. And the problem with Joseph is he doesn't understand the concept of process. And so he goes to his brothers who already are not real fond of him and begin to share these things. Like, listen, listen, listen to what God said about me and you. And, and then he goes to his mom and dad because he has you know, dreams about that as well. And, I mean, and it does not go well because he goes, you know, I get it now. I want it now. I want it fast. I want that 18,000 miles per hour today when God says, no, you're on a crawler. Well, he doesn't realize that. And his brothers hate him. Hate him so much that they basically decide to kill him. Throw him into a pit. Now, these guys that are just, you know, the greatest guys ever, obviously, decide, hey, wait, let's not kill him. Because if we kill him, we get nothing out of the deal. Let's sell him as a slave. So some traders come by. They pull him out of the pit. And his own brothers sell him into slavery. Not a good situation. You talk about going slow. He's going slow now. He's taken to Egypt, and that's kind of where we're going to pick up the story. We're going to, again, we're going to hit a, some of the certain things and then jump around. But if you have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis 39. We're going to start with verse number 1 through verse number 4. I've kind of given you a Cliff Notes version of the story up to this point. But let's jump in Scripture and see what it says. So again, Genesis 39, starting with verse number 1. It says, When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders... He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian, official, uh, Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. Now listen to verse number two. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, I bet it would, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. So Joseph is taken, he's sold into slavery, he gets put into this house of this man named Potiphar, but yet God is still with him. You see, here's the thing we need to understand, and I need you to get this. Slow motion is still motion. 
Some of us think, you know what, I don't want to walk in slow motion. I don't want to get on the crawler. What we need to focus in on is even in this moment, God is moving Joseph forward. God hasn't left him. God is working with him. Even though he's in a position that's not fun. Even though he's in a position that hurts. Even though he's in a position they're probably sitting there going, God, why? He's still moving forward. God is still with him and working in him and through him. You see, that's the thing. Even in your delayed destiny, God doesn't want you to sit there and do nothing. He has things for you to accomplish. He has things to work through you in, even as your process is being worked out. But here's the thing. It doesn't always go well in the delays. Let's continue on with the story. Genesis 39, looking at verse number 6. We're going to read 6 through 9. Here's what it says. It says, so Potiphar gave Joseph complete administration responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he did not have to worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was, a very, was very handsome and a well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Now hear me, let me, let me explain something to you here, okay? The enemy is not going to sit by at any point in your life and let God do what God wants to do, okay? He is going to bring forth problems, temptations, and issues in your delay. And I want you to think about something for a second. This man, like, like come on, we, sometimes we, we put these men, we talk about this all the time, these men and women in the Bible, we put them as statues and we forget they were real with raw emotions that felt like we feel. I want you to think about what has happened to him. Okay? He was very loved by his father, but despised by his brothers. He is sold into slavery. He is a slave. He is nothing more than a slave. And now this woman approaches and begins to make overtures and begins to seduce and begins to do all these things. You know what? Can't you see Joseph thinking, you know what? I haven't felt love in so long. I, I haven't been cared for in so long. If, if I don't take this opportunity, I'm a slave. I may never experience love. Doesn't that sound romantic and twisted and wrong? But yet it's a real emotion. I've had people come into my office and talk about mistakes that they've made in marriage and you know what those mistakes usually come from they don't feel loved well here's an here's a here's an opportunity now maybe it's not love but it's better than nothing he's in this moment of temptation and it's like in scripture he's almost like he's reminding himself he's like he's like no he's like looking at her and says i've been entrusted in all this i've been entrusted in all these things and I won't sin. And listen, he doesn't say I won't sin against myself or sin against Potiphar or even sin against her. He says I won't sin against God. That's pretty incredible. We're already starting to see a process, aren't we? Where he could have given in to something. But he says, no, no, I'm not going to go in that direction. But look, the story continues, starting again with verse number 10. It doesn't stop. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. Verse 11. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away and he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. It just kept coming. It kept coming. Listen, listen, some of us, we can do a good job with temptation. We can say no the first time, but sometimes it's hard to say no again and again and again. 
especially in this culture. Listen, I looked at it. I kind of was wondering about this. It was this weird or strange or whatever. And I looked, and at this time in Egyptian culture, it was completely normal and literally almost expected that the woman would try to find other guys. So this was something that in some way, shape, or form, now not necessarily with their station in the world, but something that happened all the time. And Joseph said, you know what? I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what they think is right or wrong. I care about what God has said is right or wrong. To the point where he's literally changing how he's living his life. Like, listen, when was the last time that temptation came and to deal with it so you wouldn't fall to those things? You literally changed how you went about your day. But yet there's a day when he can't get away. And she lies about him. And she tells him, we're not going to read it, but basically she runs to her husband. And she says, look what this slave has done. He tried to sleep with... He, she basically lies about everything. And basically says that he is the one that tried to do all these things. Listen, let's pick up the story now in verse 19. It says, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and he and so he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But listen, look at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. He's lied about. All of it's told is, is nothing more than a fabrication, and he's thrown into prison. And there he remains. He is there, and he is probably sitting there going, man, what do I do now? Where do I go from here? But yet I love here in Scripture, it says that Jesus, the Lord, is showing him his faithful love. Why? How? How can that be said? Simple. God is moving him along in the process. One of the things you need to understand is the process is one way of many ways that God shows us his faithful love. That's hard sometimes to take. That's hard to remember. That's hard when the promises haven't come. And I promise you in that moment when he is sitting in that prison, he would probably have really could have used Hebrews 10, 23. Hebrews 10, 23 says this, we have it, he didn't. But it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Listen, I am awesome at Hebrews 23 when everything is going well. When everything is going the way I want it to go, man, Hebrews 10, 23, I got it all over it. You know what I mean? But when everything goes wrong, when I'm thrown into prison for something I never did, if that makes sense, this becomes much more difficult to hold on to. And that's why we see these words where we see this idea of holding on tightly without wavering to the hope that we have. And that hope is Jesus and that his promises can be trusted. So he's placed in this prison. He's put there. He's in that situation. And while he's there, the baker and, and of the Pharaoh and the, the, the cupbearer are brought in and, and they've, they've angered Pharaoh. And so Joseph is there and he begins to kind of talk with them and they begin to share and they say, you know, I had these, these dreams. And Joseph happens to be there. Now here's what's interesting. I, I've said this many times before. I do not believe in coincidences. I don't believe they exist. I believe in God coincidences. I, don't, I always butcher that, but you know what I mean. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe it was an accident that Joseph happened to be there in that moment with the baker and the cupbearer. And they begin to tell Joseph these dreams. And Joseph begins to tell them. And basically, one is like, hey, you're going to be restored. The other, you're not. And he tells them that story. Or tells them the meaning of that dream. And listen, now let's continue on. We're going to jump now all the way to Genesis 40. In Genesis 40, starting with verse number 14, after that's happened, he says this, and please remember me. 
and do me a favor. When things go well for you, obviously at this point he's talking to the, the, the cupbearer, the baker, not so good. He says, when you get basically put back, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. Okay? Listen, this is important that you get this. A delay has the potential to position you to be exactly where God wants you to be. Sometimes we miss that. How does Joseph have an opportunity to get close? Listen, he is a slave. And before that, he's just a kid in the middle of the desert with a group of people. How in the world is he going to be positioned for what God has for him? Well, you know what? There's things that had to happen in the process. And one of them was he was put into a prison. And listen, do you remember what it said? It didn't say he was put in any prison. He was put in Pharaoh's prison. Did you catch that? You see, God could have had him put in any other prison. But, but because Potiphar was who he was... He was able to put him into the Pharaoh's prison, which is where Pharaoh then put the baker and the cupbearer. So now he's brought into complete close proximity with people who are now in close proximity to Pharaoh. Your delay is probably there to position, and we need to understand that. So he tells them basically exactly what happens happens. They go up, baker's uh, taken out, Cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh, and you know what? And here's, and here's this is really exciting. And you know what happened? You know what happened? Put it up there, Jen. Put it up there. I got I'm so excited. You know what happened? This is great. This is great. Good kid. We're finally ready. You know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Now I want you to remember, real person. He's sitting there. He's in prison. The door opens. He looks out. Is, is today the day? Are they coming to get me? Because the cupbearer, he went and talked to Pharaoh. He told Pharaoh about me. Like, like every good ruler needs somebody that can interpret dreams. I mean, this, you know, I'm surely, he's told him, surely. And, and, and they go and get somebody else. Day after day after day, he waits and he waits and he waits. And that finally brings us to Genesis 41 1. And you know what it says? Two full years later. I love that. Like, like God wants us to, like, it was not two, it was not one and a half. It was not one and 348 days. Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the River Nile. Two years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And finally, the cupbearer goes, Oh, yeah! <laughs> hey, you remember when we were in prison? You know, I'm sure that was kind of hard to bring up. You know, like, don't send me back there, you know. And he begins to tell them the story of Joseph. They bring Joseph out, clean him up, bring him before Pharaoh. Pharaoh says the dream. Pharaoh says, can you interpret the dream? Joseph says, no, but God can and he tells them the meaning of the dream. There's going to be seven good years, seven bad years. Pharaoh sits there and begins to talk with his officials, and he basically says, who in the world can we find that's more wise, that has God's you know, understanding than this man? And within literally less than 24 hours, he goes from the prison to the palace, and he is made the second in charge of all of Egypt. You want to talk about going from one mile per hour to 18,000 miles per hour, it's this story. But yet that's what our God can do. You see, we think we have to somehow get from 1 to 2 to 10 to 20 to 50. It's a slow uh, sometimes thing. And sometimes that's what God does. Other times it's 1 mile per hour and then take off. For Joseph, that's what it was. It was a takeoff like we have never almost seen before. Think about that. Someone taken maybe from prison and turned into literally the vice president of the United States, but with a lot more power. You get what I mean? 
And he is placed in that position. And all that time, all the way back to messing up with telling his family about the dreams when he shouldn't have, all the thrown into the pit, the lies and the deception, even though he was standing up for what was truth and what was right, all those things finally got him to the launch pad for takeoff. You see, what you need to understand with God, nothing is ever wasted. Even our waiting has purpose. And in a minute, we're going to see how great of a purpose that really, really was. But before we get there, to kind of bring this down to a close, I want to help us because I think that there's some application that we need to hold on to to help us in the midst of our delay. Because here's the deal. It takes basically eight and a half minutes to go from take off to get to the, to get to the um, out of the atmosphere for a rocket or for a shuttle. I'm not 100% sure how long it takes or what the distance is between where the shuttle is stored or the hangar to the launch pad, but I got a feeling that if its top speed is one mile per hour and you got to load that thing and you got to get that thing there and you still got to move the thing or what all that they have to do, I got a feeling it takes more than eight and a half minutes. But there's things that are happening that are being used to get ready. And there's things that we need in the midst of that travel, in the midst of that delay that we need to do so that we are ready for the takeoff that God wants us to have. I've basically listed four different things. Number one, we need to hold on to the promise maker and the promise keeper. I know we looked at this great verse as we were going through Philippians a couple of weeks ago, but man, it is so good. Philippians 1.6, it says, and I am certain... I like that word. I like things that are certain. I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Do you get that? So basically we have two different people here that God is, is working in. He's not only the promise maker, he's the promise keeper. He doesn't just make you the promise about your destiny and what God's going to do in your life. He is the one that will bring it about. And we have to hold on to him, not into what I can do or God has left me or all those mistakes that we talked about earlier. But we are certain, God, you made this promise. God, you have this destiny for me. And God, not only will you have you made the promise, you will bring it to completion in Christ. We need that. We need to hold on to that. It's so easy to forget that. Number two, not only do we need to hold on to that, but we need to hold on to peace. We need to hold on to peace. John 16, Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I love that Jesus was like, listen, I'm not going to try to surprise you or make this strange for you. There are going to be trials and sorrows. There are going to be delays. There are going to be things that happen that you don't understand. But he says, listen, if you will look to me, if you will hold on to me, you can have peace. So many times in my own life, when I have been going down that track to launch, my peace has disappeared when it didn't have to. All I had to do was hold on to Jesus. All I had to do was hold on to the peace that knows, hey, listen, you know what? There's going to be some slow movements. There's going to be some slow things. But you know what? He's overcome it. He's overcome every sorrow, every trial, every temptation, everything, every moment, every moment of waiting. He's overcome it all. And when I hold on to him, I can have that. So we hold on to the promise maker and the promise keeper. We hold on to the peace that we have through Jesus. Number three, we hold on to his timing. We hold on to his timing. Galatians 6, the first part of verse number 9. I love this verse. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. Let's not get tired of that at just the right time. If you mark in your Bibles, mark that. Put down, highlight it. Put down at just the right time. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing. Sometimes we forget 
that your time is not God's time. And we sometimes go, God, you need to get on my time when it's not that way. When instead, we need to get on God's time. We need to say, you know what? His timing is perfect. His plan is perfect, not mine. Listen, I've said that so many times, and you've probably said it yourself. Oh, yes, God's timing is perfect. God's plan is perfect. But are you willing to take the next step, which means probably if your plan isn't the same as God's, that yours isn't perfect? That your timing isn't right, but God's is? We rely on his timing. We hold on to his timing. How do you do that? It's simple. When you have a promise or you're in the delay or whatever it might be, and you don't understand, because we will. Joseph, I guarantee you sat there and didn't understand. Sometimes we just have to hold on to the fact and literally just, I've literally said this to myself. It's just not the right time. When Emily and I do premarital counseling with people, we, we like to kind of tell our story of how we met and how we got together and, and how we broke up and, and how we got together finally later on and, and, and got married. And I've said this to, to countless couples, told this to countless youth throughout my life, and now you get to hear it. And we would always say, you know, the, wrong, the right person at the wrong time is the wrong person. You go, what? Did you get that? You see, Emily was the right person, but it was the wrong time. And if we would have moved forward with what we wanted to do, I'll make this statement as blatantly as I can. We would not be married today. I really believe that. We would have not got along very well because we weren't getting along very well. But here's the deal. Guess what? She's the right person. But it wasn't the right time. She had to grow. I had to grow. We had a divine delay in our relationship. And for so many of us, we want our timing. And I'm just going to be flat honest with you. In my life and probably in yours, when we go by our clock, it usually ends up in disaster. Go by his timing. Hold on to his timing. And the final one is just keep holding on. Just keep holding on. Look at the second part here. Remember all that we said, you know, Galatians, oh, all this blessing at the right time, all those things. And then we get the end of the verse that sometimes we like to forget. But the end of this wonderful verse says, if we don't give up. What if Joseph, think about this for a second. He's in prison. He's in prison for something he didn't do. He's been lied about by his to, to, to people. He'd been, he'd, been, he'd been basically thrown into a pit to, to be killed by his own brothers. And he's sitting there and he's having a pity party in prison, which a lot of us have. There's a lot of pity parties in prison. And he begins to listen and he begins to hear, you know, Baker, yeah, what's up, cupbearer? I had a dream. You know, I had a dream too. And instead of engaging, he just says, whatever. I don't, care. I don't care about your stupid dream. I'm mad. Why hasn't God done what he said he was going to do? I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm done. If I rot here in this prison, which I'm probably going to do, well, that's fine by me. And he gave up. I'll tell you what would have happened. It's real simple. He'd have stayed in that prison. I'd have to speak on something else this morning. Maybe it'd be in the Bible. And God had great things for Joseph. But yet he died in prison. Some of you, you are so close to your takeoff. And so many of you are just sitting there going, you know what, I just want to give up. I want to give up on this marriage. I want to give up on this dream. I want to give up on this promise. I want to give up on this relationship. I want to give up on the fact that we'll ever get ahead financially. I just want to give up. But listen, Listen, this is in your notes, and you need to understand this. If you lack depth and determination, you'll quit something that's difficult at the earliest explainable opportunity. Why did I use the words depth and determination? Simple. Guess what God typically does as you're moving one mile per hour? 
What did God do in Joseph as he sat there for years in a prison for something he didn't do? He brought forth depth and determination. He brought forth things in his life that he would use when he was flying at top speed because he would need them at that moment. He needed that depth and determination. And listen, if you don't have it, okay, if you're ready to quit, if you're ready to say, you know what, I don't want to deal with this anymore, maybe it's time to say, God, I need some more depth. God, I need some more determination to hold on to what you've promised. I know your timing is perfect, and I know those things will come because I know your promises are yes and amen if I will keep holding on. Hold on to it. Let that depth, let that determination not be given to you by your own strength or your own ability, but by what God is doing in you and through you. It's so important. You say, but, but it's hard. I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. But you know what? In my own life, I literally do this in my life, okay? I don't always do it right. I don't always do it perfectly. Sometimes I mess up in all of these areas, but I have just learned this, and I wanted you to have this. I want you to get this. This is, this is the delayed destiny prayer is what I've called it. The delayed destiny prayer, okay? The DDP, okay? So when things are happen, happening the way you want them to, I want you to pray this prayer, and it's really, really, really long, as you can tell, because God cares about the length of our prayers, right? Just pray. Say, God, what do you want to develop in my life through this delay? What do you want to develop in my life through this delay? Because listen, that is a powerful prayer. And God will begin to show you a little bit of what needs to be developed. He'll show you. Because here's listen, if you don't want to get developed, don't pray this prayer. Because I'm just telling you, for my own life, like when I've prayed this prayer, sometimes God has developed things in me that were hard to get developed. There were some tough stuff that I had to let go of to get developed. But every time I've prayed this prayer, I have seen God say, you know what? I'll develop and I'll show you. Look here, this is what I need to develop in you. Sometimes it comes quick. Sometimes it takes time. But I've seen him show me that over and over and over again. So let's see how the story really ends. Because see, the story with Joseph does not end when he becomes second in command to Pharaoh. That's not the end of the story. If you thought it was, I'm telling you right now, that story was not done. That chapter closed, but his book wasn't finished, if that makes sense. And in a lot of ways, we see his story really end at the end of Genesis. Not in Genesis 41, but in fact, all the way to Genesis 50. So let me kind of tell you what happens. Joseph comes and he does all the things. He, he saves all the, 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 the grain and all the things they're going to need throughout the seven years of bounty. And so when the seven years of famine hits, man, people, are, people would be starving. But at that point, Joseph opens up the, the storage and, and begins to just give food out. People from all over the, the surrounding nations have to come to Egypt to buy food because they don't have it any other way. Really, literally, probably thousands and thousands, if not millions of people, lives are spared because of Joseph, because of his willingness not to give up, his willingness to continue on in the delay, knowing that one day God's promise would come forth in his life. And it gets so bad, guess who comes knocking on his door? His brothers. I'm not going to get into the long story, but basically through a really interesting, fun story, if you're interested, it's, it's right there in Genesis 48 and 49 and 46 and all that. He basically reveals himself to them. And he, he weeps over his brothers. Now, I, I'm gonna, I want you to stop for just a minute. And I'm just going to speak for me personally. I'm not going to speak for you. I'm going to speak for me. But if everything that happened to me happened, you know, everything that happened to Joseph happened to me. Like if my own family did that to me, I'm just going to be flat honest with you. I don't know how many years I don't know if there's enough years for me to weep over them. I'm just going to be honest. Like, God would have to do that in me. Like, I'd be like, you know what? Sorry. Oh, yeah, we just ran out of food. I can see the food. Yeah, I know. Sorry. I guess you shouldn't have thrown me into a pit. 
but he doesn't. He weeps over them. He welcomes them in. Listen, I'm going to just be flat honest with you, and I believe this with everything in me. If Joseph had not gone through what he had gone through, if he had not traveled for a very long time at one mile per hour, I guarantee you that conversation would have been different. But God had produced some things in him. The process that God brought Joseph on changed him. And it changed him in so many ways and prepared him to travel at 18 thousand miles per hour do you know how long astronauts have to train their bodies to experience the g-forces that take on listen if, if i took you and said hey you want to go on a rocket ship ride yeah okay let's go and i said let's throw him in throw him in i don't know if you survived that you'd be in a lot of trouble they go through years of training to learn how to handle, okay, you made it, okay, we're landed on the moon, what do you do? I don't know. How do I hook all this stuff up? I don't know. Well, we're in trouble. Hey, we gotta hit the right buttons to fly back, what do you do? I don't know. You're stuck. You don't jump into a spaceship and take off and do the types of missions they're doing. There's things that have to take place. There's a process that goes on to get them ready to experience the things. And God took Joseph on a very long, slow process so that when he met his brothers again, because he had the power and the authority to do it, that instead of basically killing them right there on the spot, he wept over them and loved them. But the story doesn't even end there. They go and they get dad and mom and they bring the whole family and they settle in Egypt. And this just amazing time happens. This great family reunion takes place because they told dad that Joseph had been killed. And it's this amazing thing. Well, guess what? Eventually, dad dies. And his brothers who, listen, hear this. His brothers who had not had the same process and gone through the same journey begin thinking things that they never should have thought. And you know what they begin to think? They begin to think, now that dad's dead, Joseph's going to take us out. And that's their fear. That's where we see this scripture in Genesis 50, 20. That's the context of it. They've come to Joseph and said, you know, dad really didn't want you to kill us basically what they're saying and listen to what Joseph says you intended to harm me but God intended it all for good he brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people now I want you to think about what this verse is saying first of all we see that understanding and the under uh, the, the perspective of God moving Joseph to the position God moving Joseph to the place. And that it took time. And even though that originally it was meant for evil, it was meant for harm, when God gets a hold of it, good will always come. But there's something else that you need to see in this verse. It's interesting to me that the context of the verse is fear of death from his brothers. His brothers are afraid of death to come. But look what Joseph says to reassure them. He says, God brought me to this position for what reason? For good, and what is that good? To save the lives of many people. Their fear was death. But yet Joseph says, God brought me here to bring forth life. You know, there's another person in Scripture who made a similar statement. He said, the Son of Man doesn't come to condemn, but to bring life, and life to the full. You want to see a changed life? You want to see a progression of life? It's a person who truly understands the concept of moving from death to life. To allow God to move us and not just, here, not just save our lives, 
not just save the lives of those around us, but to be used by God to save the lives of many people. Maybe in a lot of ways, you're on that one mile per hour crawler and you're going on and slowly you're moving and you're moving because God is being strategic in positioning you to save the lives of a lot of people. I don't know. But listen, I don't know of something in this world that can get you from one mile per hour to 18,000 miles per hour quicker than being used by Jesus to help people find Jesus. And I believe that for all of us, no matter what, what destiny God's given us, one thing we all have in common, every single one of us, is that God has called all of us to share who Jesus is with those around us. He has called all of us to be ready and prepared in the process so that we can say like Joseph, God used me, God used this delay to help bring forth the salvation of many people. Let's bow our heads, let's close. I think that we all at times in our lives deal with these things and we all have these emotions that come along with it. But the bottom line is, is this morning that as we wait, as we wait in the delay, God wants the process to continue. One of the things that I really want you to get this morning, and it wasn't even in your notes, is the concept that slow motion is still motion. Some of you have gotten this in your head that because it's not happening fast or it's not happening in the quickness that you want it to happen, that somehow God has forgotten you. If you've lost God's favor or you've got to do it on your own like we talked about earlier. But listen, even if it's one mile per hour, you're still being moved by God to the launch pad. And his promises are going to happen. Your destiny, God's plans for you, are going to take place in his timing and his way. And listen, he is simply getting you ready for your takeoff. Now, maybe some of you are already on that. You're in that you're, you're screaming towards the atmosphere. And if you are, that's great. But what I've learned in my own life is, you know what? After I take one trip, there's another one that God wants to take me on. So it's not like I take my trip, I stay in the atmosphere. I mean, here's the deal. Here's what's great about the shuttle. You know why they actually started using the shuttle? Because it could return to earth and they could be used again. So even if you are screaming towards the atmosphere, even if you've reached the atmosphere, guess what? There's going to be a time where God's going to call you back down to get ready and prepare you for another journey on the crawler because you've got another mission to accomplish. So no matter where you are, no matter if you're screaming or you're barely moving, it is time to start understanding that even though a delay in the destiny happens, there is nothing that God won't use and that he wants you to be prepared in those moments. There's a potential for some very valuable things while you're creeping along at one mile per hour. So if you're there or you will be there, I think it's so important that we get this. I think it's time to stop worrying so much about speed and instead start worrying about process and know that God wants to take you on one to not just change you, but to literally possibly change everything. So Father, we come to you and God, none of us like delays. None of us like it. We, we, we look at the red lines on our phones and we go, okay, we got to take another route. And God, it's so easy to allow that idea and that concept to flow through other areas of our lives, especially our spiritual lives. But God, we can't allow it to happen. 
And God, for those of us who there's been promises, there's been destinies, there's been dreams, there's been all these things that have been poured into our heart and our lives. But God, right now, maybe we're still, maybe we're still in the shuttle bay. Maybe we haven't even gotten on the crawler yet. Or maybe for some of us, we're, we're moving, but it's one mile per hour. God, for those of us that are in that place, God, I pray that we would remember that you are the promise maker and you're the promise keeper. That we would remember that you have a peace that you can give us in the midst of that. That we can remember that your timing is perfect and that we just don't give up. We'll see valuable things come into our lives to prepare us to travel at that speed that you have for us. For us that are heading up that God, that we would continue to strive to accomplish what you have set out for us. And God, for those that are maybe starting to come back down for another mission, that even in the process of re-entry, we would begin the process all over again. That our lives would constantly be a life of growth in you so that we can be used in powerful ways. Not for our glory, but for yours. Help us, God. We can't do this without you. But with you, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, even waiting in the delay. We love you and we thank you for loving us so much and knowing that you'll help us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So listen, thank you so much for being here. Um, I'm just going to give you kind of a clue here, just so you know. We're going to be finishing up this series next week, and then I'm going to be starting a new, very small, short series at the beginning of August I'm really excited about. And so listen, if you have anything or you need anything, please let me know. For those that are online, thank you for understanding kind of the new format that we're doing with, with the worship and all those situations. If you have any questions, you can please reach out to me through email or phone call. Let me know. Um, and then for the rest of you, remember, next week we'll have our sign-up sheet for our community groups. Please do mention this with each other as far as, you know, can you help in this area as far as hosting uh, one of our groups? That would be really awesome. Have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.